Welcome, Pathfinders, to the Find the Path podcast actual play of the Mummy's Mask Adventure Path. And the breakout team of Sooty and Sugar. Of Doom. <laughs> uh, barely made it. You did a whole Indiana, you know, grab your tail before it gets crushed thing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the headdress falls off and he has to reach back and grab the headdress and pull it through. Oh, oh no. That thing's like adhered to his face. It ain't going nowhere. <laughs> Don't break That's the artifact. A good question, actually. So the mask is adhered to my face, but is the headdress adhered when the mask is adhered? That's I think it's adhered to the mask. I mm-hmm. think it's all connected. It doesn't mean that it can't be removed. True. I don't imagine it would be that easy to come off, though. Yeah, we're, we're not going to get into the minutia of uh, clothing issues or anything like that. Like, oh, I'm trying to fight through difficult terrain. Oh, I lost my boot of flying in the mud back behind me. I'll go back for it Please later. No. <laughs> yeah, expensive. let's no. Please that's, no. No, I don't. Bring I, back. Uh, that's too much for uh, Too much. Three fumble rules. No, let's not do that <laughs> oh. ever. No, it's why no. we don't use the critical deck and all that stuff. So we save that for second edition. I like my limbs. So yeah, we're jumping back in with the continued exploits of our doorkeepers of the Duot. When last we had left our heroes, after having defeated the mythic rock. Your boy. <laughs> rock R O C, not like rock like Dwayne Johnson? Is that yes. you? <laughs> Dwayne Johnson did voice that bird. Oh my god. But oh my. <laughs> the party uh then went on to go to the monument vault where they confronted the mythically powerful elder earth elemental, Beck and Tofra. Who does not give a flying you know what what we do as long as we don't touch his sand. Do not nope. touch his sand. This the man, man is very obsessed it. with his sand. <laughs> Yep, not a single one of the 13 trillion pieces of sand. (laughs) Yep. Well, we had no plan to touch his sand. No one likes sand, you know? It gets in everything. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, here we go. Of course, it gets everywhere. You then dove into the monument vault. And by dove, I mean slowly walked down a number of passages as it descended steadily down into the earth. The entire time expecting it to be, like, exceedingly trapped and disappointed. It was trapped a little bit. Yeah, there was a couple. One trap. So far. I don't know. It was all pretty much one big complex trap. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. The, the whole gravity thing was pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The reverse gravity thing was fun. I was thinking, okay, so I was thinking about the physics of that. So technically speaking, because you land upside down, it means you land backwards and then have to do a back uh, flip. Like you basically do a half a front flip to ba- half a back flip. Okay. Let's yeah. not do the physics because, you know, it Don't makes bring my physics brain into my It just magic means land. the studio looked real cool while he was doing it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. You have to basically do one of those uh, Olympic gymnast balance beam things where you do like the, I'm leaping forward, but also spinning at the same time. Those always really impress me. Gymnasts impress me in general. I did gymnastics very briefly and I was nowhere near as good as <laughs> I, I, I always remember the movie Stick It. Yep. You know, when they compare them to, like, Navy SEALs and how they can do more than the Navy SEALs can do. <laughs> there you go. But the party had descended down into the depths of the Monument Vault, wherein they had found, uh, upon entering, they had found a room that would activate to create a phase door. And upon descending down to the depths, they had found a stone under which the phase door would be activated to allow someone to create a passage. It was very smart. More or less requiring that the group split. It also required you to be smart. You did sure. have to be smart. Yes, it did mechanically require you to also be intelligent. Which is why and, I sued he couldn't do it alone. And in answer to the discords, like, why didn't they just dimension door? I'm out of those for the day. There you go. And uh, there you go. It's going to make getting out of here interesting. Yeah, how are we getting out of here then? <laughs> I have a teleport. We sleep down here. Oh, okay. We teleport out. I have a teleport. It's just riskier. 
It's or we fair. could sleep down here with the mansion. It might be weird, but we could. Yeah, but there's always another way out. They can is disintegrate there? a hole for air. It doesn't have to be, is what I'm saying. We're talking about Hakatep and Chisisek here. Or maybe, <laughs> um, or maybe not. <laughs> Citra's just thinking of herself. She's like, I can earth glide. It's fine. <laughs> that true. is not what Citra would do at all. Which means Citra would just earth glided through all the party. floor. Yeah, Citra stayed in a falling pyramid that she'd already fallen down from once just to try to help people. She is wow. not going to be leaving no one. Anyway, Sudi did manage to make the run, got all the way into, down to the bottom, leaped through as the door had closed behind them, which is, I believe, where we had left things off. Indeed. Yep. So, as we begin, the four of you, as Sudi slides through, drops down to the ground, stand at the end of this long spiraling passage that you've taken to get down to this point. The hallway again is 10 feet wide, exactly, and 10 feet high, exactly. And where everyone Sansudi stands at the base of the almost imperceptible slope, you find yourselves at a depth of 80 feet, judging by what Masika and Citra determined was the progressing slope from, uh, from point A to point B as you've made your way down here. Again, the walls are covered in vertical columns of hieroglyphs, one after the next after the next. Each one of them a consecutive identical prayer as you've made your way deeper and deeper. All of them in groups of 11, with only the name of the deity that the prayer is to changed for each consecutive line. A passage snakes away into the darkness ahead. You mean snake as in it's not just another straight line? No, it's yeah, totally it, uh, a right turn. It does a wiggle. Turn. It turns it and goes right, and then it goes right again, and then it goes left. Yeah, it does something oh, weird Oh, man. But they're all right angles. It's not like a swoopy curve. Yeah. Well, sure. <laughs> oh, I Citra see. will okay. take point. Hollis will take her chicken back and give her scratches and be like, all right, everything's <laughs> fine. I'm glad y'all both made it. I've once again proven my use to this party. Of course. I'll return back to my basket for the next 20 episodes. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Close the lid. <laughs> the um, passage continues ahead. Yeah, Citra will take point and continue her uh, sweeping of traps. <laughs> or continue looking for traps as we mosey along in here. The four of you make your way forward. The air upstairs was arid. The air down here is still. There's this scent that pervades the entirety of this place. Not the scent that many of you have grown accustomed to in exploring Osiriani tombs. That faint, pervasive smell of funerary incense. There's an odd metallic smell. Not like copper or blood, but this pervasive smell that you can only describe as rain on metal sheets. This iron tint to the air. And something else underneath that that's vaguely citrus. The walls are covered in the prayers that you'd seen previously, although down here, with the almost airtight seal that this block makes, the paints and pigments have maintained with surprising clarity. You navigate your way forward. Step around the first corner. Turn, make your way forward. Reach the second corner. Here, Citra, your light plays down the length of this passageway. A distance, maybe some 40 feet as far as your light can go. Although those of you with keener eyes than the human can see that the passage continues for a short distance beyond the edge of her light to a single door set near the end of the passage. 
It also looks like there's an opening off towards the right-hand side, and Citra and Masika, you can both tell once again that every time you reach a hallway, there's a slight descending slope. We're seriously there, in an upside-down pyramid. It's feeling that way. There's a door down there, y'all. It's the first doorway we've seen. Maybe we'll finally see a room. There's something on this wall here on the left. I can feel it through my feet. What? You, you have can... feet, Shinshish? You have a sooty tingle. Was that a feet? Please don't call it the sooty tingle, but... <laughs> I, I don't know how to explain it. I just know something's there. Like, I can feel the vibration of it on the ground. Special stone abilities, or is it masky abilities? I think it's special stone abilities. Like an earth elemental. Is that a thing they can do? You're yes. asking the wrong group. Oh, well, actually, Hollis may know. I'm a specialist in the plane of studies. Um, I think so. Jessica, the player, thinks so. But now I'm unsure. Uh, you may make an all planes if you so wish. Uh, I roll a 17 for a 41. Yes, you are aware that earth elementals can sense vibrations through stone. It is a sense, not a sight, which oh. means that they can determine a square that a creature is in, but they do not actually have visual confirmation. So a creature would still have full concealment, for instance, if they were fighting in darkness and a 50% mischance, but they would still know exactly where they are at all times. That's cool. Much the same as a person could be invisible and you could tell exactly what square they're in, basically where their feet are, but not where the rest of their body is. All right. Yeah, that's something that earth elementals have. They, uh, with stone, they can kind of feel where stuff is. Oh, that reminds me, and I cast the invisibility. Okay. There are five invisible. No. Uh, <laughs> you... <laughs> Nothing changes. Cool. That's fine. It's a little bit ahead of us. Well, there's not a door, so it's either a chamber beyond the door ahead, or we're going to have to play the loop around for 7,000 years game until we get to that or wall. Does, does it door. feel like it's deeper than us, or on the same level as us? It feels like it is slightly below you, although if Citra and Masika are correct in that there is a faint slope, which you can't detect, then it could be on the other side of the door at the end of this hallway, but maybe a few inches below you. It doesn't feel like it's below us. It feels like it's, I mean, it's a little bit below us, but maybe a couple of inches. What if there's a secret door? I can check It also both. means it's moving. Well, it's probably a creature. I mean, that's true, but I guess we should, I guess, go through this door ahead and assume it's going to be dangerous? Sure. I've pretty much walked into this entire place with the assumption that it is going to be dangerous. Also true. Oh, really? Oh, I'd kind of just assumed that this was all going to be empty. Really? They told us there would be folks down here. I'm kidding. Oh, okay. <laughs> they told us it would be nothing but traps. I was expecting just four nonstop escape rooms. That'd be fun. Ooh, I should add an escape room to my mansion. I make a joke. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. I, su I suppose we'll creep ahead. Citra will move forward and check for a secret door, though I think she's assuming that the other door will just wrap around. Okay. What do you get taking 10 on a uh, perception check? If uh, it's just normal, I get a 28. You make your way down the passage, keeping an eye on the, the wall to your left. No, you don't see any signs of a secret door. Sudi, you still continue to feel faint vibrations from the other side of the wall. Not like it's moving. Well, not like it's moving to follow. Almost as if it's pivoting. This thing isn't moving? It seems like it might be turning. Well, we ain't exactly being quiet. 
As you begin to approach towards the door, you can tell that the arch off towards the right-hand side only goes for maybe about five feet before a much smaller passage, the first one that you've seen that has not been ten feet wide, continues ahead. In fact, it's only about five feet wide. In fact, you'd say it is exactly five feet wide. <laughs> is Masika... it five feet tall, too? It is ten feet tall, though. Uh, oh, okay. Masika will peek around that corner just to see before we go through this door. Glancing around the corner, you see that the side passage continues for about 15 feet and then empties out into what looks to be maybe another hallway, judging by the hieroglyph still on the wall. Again, 10 feet wide, 10 feet high, with a door on the left-hand side. There's another door. It might lead to the same room. If pertinent, you believe that, that the floor on the landing in front of that door is exactly 10 feet below the last landing that you reached. It is 10 feet lower than the last landing. At which point you'd be at a depth of 90 feet. Well, let's start with this door. Citra will check it for traps. Looks clear. Is there any sort of depth that has significance in Osirian, or is this just it's just a suck every 10 feet kind of a situation? Um, specifically 10 feet? I mean, it kind of seems like you keep saying it, so it's making me think that there's something more to it than the fact that it's just precise. I think really it's just to give the impression that this place is an upside down pyramid. Because yes. as we spiral around, it's making that shape. Specifically, no. Although, as far as the ramps that would have been used in the construction of many of the architectural marvels of the ancient Osirian Empire, shallow ramps was a common reoccurring device, basically a, a means by which to move the stones up and into place to construct the pyramids. Those that weren't wished into existence or delivered by aliens. Of course. What? Aliens. <laughs> no. <laughs> Do we there are really aliens in this world, though. I was going to say, elves are technically aliens. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, I think the only pyramid that has anything to do with aliens is the weird pyramid that uh, teleports back and forth between Galarian and Octurn. <laughs> the best pyramid. And that's not the really so much aliens as it is great old ones. Yeah, they're kind it's of like true, aliens. Which are I mean, basically aliens. Yeah, I mean, that's Sort alien. of. I don't know. I don't, come from space. It's non-Galarian, so <laughs> it's kind of alien as long you as it's not You come from space, plane. you're an alien. Uh, Sudi, you believe that you've moved far enough past that you can no longer sense where that vibration's coming from. Huh. So there's some kind of limitation to how far I can feel it, because I don't feel it anymore. So it must Correct only me if work I'm wrong, it is a 30-foot distance, It correct? is 30-foot, yeah. Okay. It must only work for a short distance, maybe 30 feet? That's handy. We should experiment. Not, not now. We Later. should try shand and sandstone and granite and then we'll like determine what has the best vibrations. Sand would be very helpful. There's a lot of that around here. Good vibrations, preferably. Yeah, no, that's been I my head. I did it. I was like, <laughs> how can I work in good vibrations Wow. this? Now we all have to So we're checking the door forever. there. There's no sign of any traps. It takes some effort. All of these doors are approximately eight inches thick and solid stone. Hmm. Wow. That being said, they're actually built on rather clever hinges. Uh, these are actually attached to the top and the bottom of the door to allow, and basically are uh, are almost pins that go into the ceiling and the floor. Pushing on this door, it slides open with a soft stone grinding sound that echoes like a hiss up the passageway behind you. Where above there had been some airflow, down here there is none. That being said, this place was so well sealed that it's not covered in dust and cobwebs. But they're just enough in the upper reaches of this place to give this a sense of abandonment. 
Carefully place cobwebs. Hollis pulls out the string board. Now, what could they mean? Nah. Citra glancing inside. You can see that a small hallway is on the other side of this door. It immediately branches. It basically snakes its way in and seems to enter into a larger room that you can see ahead. Do you make your way in? Yep. Entering in, you can see that the hallway splits. Off towards your right-hand side, in essence, when you turn in, you turn left. And then off towards your right-hand side, you can see that there's a room, a larger room that it opens into. Off towards the left-hand side, you can see that it breaks off at about a 45-degree angle and makes its way turning sharply left again, back in the direction that you came from. Back in the direction following on the opposite side of the wall that you were searching for a secret door. Citra is going to lead the way left to backtrack toward what Sudi was sensing with his feetsies. With his little toe beans. Very well. I've got very sensitive toe beans. We have an now. open room at our back. Well, I figured this was I at our back. I don't feel any vibration coming from it, I guess. Either, yeah, either I have to leave an open room at your back there or an open hallway to another room at your back the other direction. Got that the vibration say, was coming one, from. It's, yeah, it's, there's no good option here, so we're just going to have to go for it. Yeah, six one way is half a dozen the other. Citra, you make your way forward. I'm assuming Hollis is bringing up the rear. I like to be in the middle, like a little gooey marshmallow. Because Masika has way better armor than me. Citra, you look down the, the passageway ahead of you. And the passageway is five feet wide. The ceiling in here is exactly ten feet high. The walls in this hallway are unadorned. No markings, no hieroglyphs, nothing. Which, with your experience with Osirian tombs, as all of you have a great deal of experience, four whole books of experience, this was likely not intended to be part of a, a burial structure or any place of significance as far as artistic. This is plain and unadorned because it was probably intended for utility. It's a storage closet. Hmm. The passage continues ahead, and Sitchu, you can see that it opens up into a room. Not an exceptionally large room, but one that seems crowded. As you look down the distance, you can see your light plays. The shaft of light shines into the room across numerous stone statues. Each of these statues are approximately the size of a man, perhaps six feet in overall height. Each of the statues does not bear a head in a traditional sense, but instead has what can only be described as a sun disc where its head should be. A flat, almost coin-like design on top of its shoulders, with the exception of one statue that stands in the center. This statue turns to look at you as the light Uh-oh. plays over it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Its large hippopotamus-like head Uh-oh. cocks to almost observe you, interlopers. Uh-oh. It states as it begins to stride forward, a heavy mace in one hand as it begins Uh-oh. to make its way down the passage. And I will need initiative from the party. I'm starting Uh-oh. to think Uh-oh. the combat music. Because she's like just sex, great, great, whatever. Okay, I'm ready. I, there's not I a lot I can ready. do. Citra doesn't have good experiences with hippos. <laughs> or statues. <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, it's like, uh, it's a golem. Uh, it's Let's a all remember golem. our golem bane scarabs. By R, I mean y'alls. Yes, indeed. All right. Hollis Starkweather. Hollis rolls a 19 for a 26 for all the good that does. Very nice. Not bad. Sudi Contar. Sudi rolls an 18 for a 21. Masika of the Beckon. Sika rolls a two for a five. Oh. Citra Nahamra. Uh, Citra rolled a 16 for a 22. Just because it's a moving statue doesn't mean it's a golem. Well, I can't see it to know otherwise. But if it is a golem, I have a golem main scarab. Just keep that in mind. Me too. 
We'll have to identify it. Mm -hmm. That means squeezing enough of us in here that we can see it. Well, we'll see how it all goes. I'm going to need Sudi to roll off for me. Goodness. Rolled a 15. Okay. Uh Uh-oh, it rolled high too. Mm -hmm. That's a problem. Round one of combat begins. All Starkweather. All right. Hollis needs to see this thing. So she's going to tiptoe. Oh, no. Mm, mm, mm. Don't love this. Uh, she tiptoes around Sudi. She can't see it still from where she is. So, uh, haste. Haste the party? Cool. Haste the party. All right. All right. So, Hollis, you step forward. Can't get a good look at it. Chant and tone. Citra, Sudi, Masika, you all feel this speeding up as everything seems to. Again, the thing's not even moving yet, so it's hard to tell as far as your perceptions are concerned, and all of you are increasing at the same speed. So, good? It's moving slower. We're not moving faster. Citra Nahamra. Um. Get behind it. I can't get behind it yet. There's no getting, there's no behind. Oh, no. It's up against the wall? Oh. It's up against a bunch of statues. Yeah, that are it's up against a bunch it. of statues. Oh, nuts. So, back up. Run away. Technically speaking, the statues just constitute difficult terrain. Yeah, but I don't know if he's by himself. I can only see him. Yeah, you don't oh. know how big the room is. <laughs> I like in. that you get behind him and it just another one's like interloper. Interloper. Yeah, interloper. that's my worry. <laughs> Honestly, I think Citra's going to ready. Okay. Uh, can I ready to acrobatics? Do you want to ready an action to move? Do you want to do that or do you want to just delay? You can also just vanish and then like move. We don't know what kind of abilities this thing has. Mm-hmm. You can see if you know what it does or is. What kind of role would that be? It's probably religion. Uh, you can make a knowledge arcana if you so wish. Oh, wow. I do have that. I rolled a six, though, which gets me an 18. With an 18? No. You think it's some sort of construct. Hmm. Hmm. Um. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, t- you can technically ready an action to move. I would like to ready to acrobatics behind him. Okay. What is the trigger? When he gets within five feet of me. Okay. That is what I shall do. So Citra readies, bringing us to the creature. It hefts its mace and strides forward with purpose, closing on you as it does so. Uh, closing into contact with you, at which point your ready to action goes off. Sweet. Okay. Then I will acrobatics behind it. So I start with a 28. Not bad, not bad. And I rolled a 14, which gets me a 42 to do some parkour maneuvers and, like, bounce off the perfectly 10-foot walls behind him. Very well. Actually, perfectly 5-foot walls. So oh, sorry, 5-foot walls. I was actually thinking, makes it easier. I was thinking the ceiling. Yep. You spring forward, kick off, jump past them, his mace nearly clipping you as you only just beat his combat maneuver Whoa. defense as you flip Dang. to the opposite side. Goodness. Yeah. The hippopotamus head follows you with some curiosity as you go flipping past it. Like, what is oh, this? I can see it now. Yep, it turns, hefts its mace, power attack, vital strike. Ah! Ah! You're hasted. Don't forget you have a plus one AC. Mm-hmm. On the fence. 35. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, I didn't no. know how high your AC is. Not that high. So not on the fence. Uh, it's see. a 33 with the haste. Ah. It's bad to hurt. Oh, yeah. Freaking vital strike. Yikes. Uh, it spins strikes, striking you for 32 points of damage as its mace <laughs> cracks into your ribs and slams you against the wall. Ow. Bring us to Sudikantar. 
All right, Sudi is going to move five feet to where Citra just was into the flank with uh, this thing. All right. Uh, I will use a swift action to switch to pummeling style because I have no idea what this thing is and I don't have knowledge arcana. So I don't know okay. if my Golden Bane Scarab will affect it. So I'm going to assume that it does not. And I'm going to Flurry of Blows this thing. You also haste it right. with an extra attack. Yeah, boy. I'm going to do so many attacks. Here we go. All right, Flurry of Blows. Perfect 20. Perfect 20 will hit threat. Mm. Roll to confirm. Ooh, that's a 19 to confirm for a 39. Oh, heck yeah. A 39 is a confirmed critical hit Karate as you chop. dive to the attack. Punch, 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 right. punch. One man punch. Except for not really because you're multi-punches. One cat double punch. So 13, 16, 29 points of damage. A solid blow. Nice. You feel no resistance as your fist cracks into the back of this thing and clay shatters off of its spine. Cool. So that was my first attack. Second attack. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Before you do that, I have a thing called opportunist. Oh, yeah, you do. Does trigger your opportunist. That brings me to a 30 to hit him. A 30 will strike your flanked target. Okie day. Woo. Yay. Um, does my electricity do anything to him or should I just leave that off? Go ahead and throw it in there. Do I need it separate? Just always assume separate. Well, you have a golden main scarab if that's relevant. Uh-oh. It's probably going to be hasted after this. That's what I just thought. Well, I can't really do anything about that. Yeah, because you don't know. All right, so I do um, 31 points of regular damage and four points of electricity. A solid hit as you bury your blade into the thing's hip and twist. There's a cracking sound as its leg seems to stumble under it. Do you make it easier to hit or harder to hit you? Does both, Uh, if you want. Yeah, because I have the double debilitation, so we'll go ahead and uh, bewilder and disorient it. So it has a minus to its AC and a minus to its attack rolls. All right. Sudikantar. Sweet. All right. Attack number two. I roll a natural one. (laughs) All right. That's life. Um, So third attack. (laughs) Equal in all things. Uh, That's bad. Um, So that's a nine for a 24, 26 with a flank. A 26 will strike your debilitated flanked opponent as you ram your fist forward. (laughs) For 10 points of damage. All right. And let's go ahead and roll Thorns and Caster. All right. Uh, Okay, so last of my regular attacks. That's a 15 for a 27. 27 will hit your flanked debilitated opponent. (laughs) Jeez, I'm in a good fight. For 10 points of damage. All right. Haste attack. Still standing. Haste attack. That's a five for a 27. 27 will hit your flanked debilitated opponent. <laughs> that is 16 points of damage. Oh. As your fist crashes through the back of this thing's skull and reduces Woo! it to a pile of chipped stone and broken statuary. Oh, wow. Sorry, Masika. <laughs> <laughs> Why? I thought you were saying, oh, because you were, you were, it had something cool you were going to do to us. Well, it did have I a whole bunch of cool did. things it could have done, but. It's dead now. <laughs> Yay! I was saying sorry, Masika, because Masika didn't actually get a turn. It's been a long no. time since you guys have finished something before the first round of combats ended. Oh, yeah. Wow. Can I identify it in retrospect? Uh, yeah, you can make an Ultracana if you so wish. I roll a 10 for a 34. This is a rare, and by rare I mean almost Osiriani specific form of golem. Cool. Called a Henshepsu. A Hanshepsu are strangely intelligent constructs. 
The earliest Henshep suits were created during Osirian's first age, so basically the time of Hakatep. Henshep suits were originally built to serve as elite soldiers that never tired, did not need to be fed, and were impervious to common attacks. Using secrets stolen from the Jiska Golem creators, Osirian's oh. own artificers oh. designed Henshepsus to equalize the battlefield in their clashes against the Jiska Imperium, as the two <laughs> nations carved up northern Garun. Cool. Throughout the conflict, Henshepsus fought in dozens of battles, each time turning the tide in favor of Osirian's forces as they marched ahead of regular human soldiers through the hot sands of what is now Thuvia. Henshepsus stand as tall as an adult human. While they appear lean and muscular, their clay bodies give them additional heft, causing them to weigh approximately 300 pounds. Oh, wow. Uh, wow. As an interesting side note, you are aware that the process of creating Henshepsus requires the sacrifice of a willing humanoid. Oh, wow. To provide not only the life force needed to animate the construct's body, but also the creature's intelligence. This allows the Henshepsu to make calculated decisions on the battlefield, and some even command humanoid units in battles, implementing clever tactics amid the fray. Wow. Though a Henshepsu is intelligent, it lacks anything approaching a personality. They are cold and stoic. They don't hold conversations that involve anything more complicated than answering questions or issuing orders. And any attempt to engage in a Henshepsu further results in utter silence and an expressionless face. Huh. So well, they're the lovely. answer to the Jiska Imperiums. What are those things in second edition that you can be little robots or whatever? Automatons? Automatons. Yeah. So they're the answer to the Jiska Except Imperiums. Except the automatons, automatons have souls, I think. Well, yeah. Anyway. But I imagine their construction was somewhat similar. It does get into the evil thing of human sacrifice necessary for these, although it does but specify willing. that they must be a willing person. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which I mean, I guess if there's some people willing, like some soldiers willing to sacrifice themselves. It makes me think of the golems from Dragon Age. I guess if you hated your life and you just wanted to be a soldier forever. Or if, you know, you had lost so much to the Jisco Imperium that all you wanted was vengeance. Yeah. Or it's one of those, we will take care of your entire family, you know, oh, the yeah. next awesome. generation, if you will do this. You may ask two questions pertaining towards the Henshepsu. Special defenses. Special defenses. Henshepsu possess damage reduction. Knowing what overcomes their damage reduction is a separate question. Uh, in addition to that, they possess standard construct traits. So... They may lead to death effects, disease, mind affecting effects, charms, compulsions, morale effects, patterns, and phantasm. Necromancy effects, paralysis, poison, sleep, and stun, and any effects that requires a fortune save unless it also affects objects. Mm -hmm. In addition to that, they also possess immunity to magic. There are certain things that overcome that magic, although that's also a separate question. That's my second question. Uh, Henshepsus are immune to any spell or spellic ability that allows spell resistance. In addition, certain spells affect and function them differently. A dominate animal causes a Henshepsu to become confused for 1d4 rounds. <laughs> Hold Whoa. animal slows a Henshepsu as the slow spell for 1d6 rounds. And while slowed, a Henshepsu cannot change its animal head. You have oh. no idea how they do that. Oh. But you're well, likely that aware that that's a that. thing they do. All right, they uh, lastly, soften earth and stone cast directly on Henshepsu deals 5d10 points of damage oh. with no save. Whoa. Well, I'll convey that. I still can't see down that hallway. Does it dead end? Are there a bunch more hidden Shepsu down there? Um, I don't know. It doesn't look like it from here. I imagine they would be moving. There are a bunch of statues down at the end of the hallway that look identical to this one, although none of them are moving. Maybe they were like vessels. Oh, maybe. They were going What's to this? make a bunch of them, but they didn't. Is this room over here some sort of sacrificial chamber to make Henshepsu? Hollis looking in there, you can tell that the chamber beyond appears to be some sort of construction chamber, although you need to actually enter it to tell anything pertaining towards it. Hmm. Uh, it kind of looks like a sculptor's oh, okay. room. So they're like making them in here, maybe. And for the rest of you looking down the hallway, you can just see that there's a room ahead. You can't tell how big it is from the hallway that seems to contain numerous statues. 
Well, Citra would like to move forward at least into like the the doorway opening to get a better look in there. Making your way forward, you find that the hallway to the south ends in an octagonal room. You think that the octagonal room is 15 feet at its side. If you're going to judge from what little you've been able to determine at this place, you're going to assume exactly 15 feet at a side. <laughs> uh, with a, high, a ceiling in here still at a steady height of 10 feet. There are, in grand total in this room, seven remaining statues. Uh, each of these are, again, identical to that previous one, except for having, an, instead of having an animal head, they each have a sun disc for a head. <laughs> uh, glancing over the statue, anyone that wishes to may make a knowledge arcana. I rolled a 10 uh, okay. for a 22. I rolled a 19 for a 43. Okay. So Hollis and Citra also, considering I guess your training's paying off. Ha ha, those <laughs> flashcards. <laughs> All of these statues are depictions of the perfect Osirian form, both male and female. And much like you would usually expect to see in statuary depictions of the gods. Hmm. In each of these cases, however, you can tell that there's no religious significance to these statues. And in all of their cases, you believe that these are statues intended to be transformed into constructs. Mm -hmm. Although the final step of actually animating the statues never occurred. All right. This is like a big old storage closet for these things. They probably made them back there in that other thing. We'd have to look closer at that other room. And then they were just like storing them until I found people to put in them. But then why didn't they finish constructing them? I don't know, got busy. Maybe that's what their heads look like until they're animated or something. Apparently they have some sort of special ability based on what head they have on. So maybe there's some sort of raw head or something. And that's what it looks like because it's the sun. Either way, these don't seem to be active. Nah. Well, we've gotten lucky then. You shouldn't say things like that out loud. <laughs> Means there might be a bunch of them around here, though. Probably. Well, I suppose let's go check the... What did you say? That it looked like a sculptor's room? Yeah, like some. I think it's probably where they made these. I could be wrong. There, there might be some good art supplies in there. Oh, yeah. Just saying. Right. You wish to backtrack? Head back down. We wish to backtrack up. You make your way back. Citra, you make your way forward. Stepping in, you find a room, some perhaps 20 feet across, 25 feet wide. Again, octagonal in shape as you come in in the middle of one wall. Off towards the far right hand side, you can see another door that you think leads back hmm. out into the hallway. Judging by what Masika said earlier, you're going to assume to the door that Masika saw from the hallway before. Mm -hmm. Several differently sized rectangular marble tables sit scattered through the room. The tops of many of them are smeared and caked with what appears to be dried clay. A circular white dais in this room's center softly hums with a sound somewhat, all that you can make, all it makes you think of is like a bowstring right after you release except for constant. A stack of parchments, a hawk-feathered quill, and a bottle of ink rest upon the furthest edge of this two-foot-tall disc. Go ahead, and, go ahead and have Citra make me a perception roll. You can add in your trap sense if you wish. <laughs> Lovely. Uh, thankfully, I rolled real dang well. I rolled a 19, uh, which, with my bonus, gets me a 43. With a 43... You'd have to observe it a little closer to determine exactly what it does, but you can tell that touching that dais would be a terrible idea. I don't know what this is, but don't touch it. Oh, that sounds magical and dangerous. Let's go look at it. But don't touch it. Of course. Hollis will tiptoe up to it and look at it with detect magic. 
So stepping forward, you can look at it. Hollis is stepping into the room as well. Mm -hmm. uh, Sudi, Masika, what are the two of you up to? Masika will step in. Narmer, use your mage hand to get me those papers. Okay. <laughs> I guess Sudi's watching Narmer the room. Narmer has then. mage hand now? Narmer has had mage yes. hand forever. It's just there's uh, been, it's five pounds. There hasn't really been a need to use it before. He has yeah, it at he will. Mage hand? It's one of his, uh, I think tricks, I think it's one of his archetype things. Oh, okay. I didn't know if he had like a um, little robot or He's something. He's got mage hand, prestidigitation, and ghost sound at will. Oh, Narmer extends his hand. You know, kind of screws up his face like Luke Skywalker trying to lift an X-Wing. <laughs> <laughs> nope, can't do it. It won't let you do it. Nope. Mage hand specifically states one non-magical unattended oh. object weighing about five pounds. Ergo does must all be magical. Yeah, cool. So, so he just puts his hand on Narmer's shoulder. Do or do not. There is no try. Oh my god. <laughs> I can't do it. It's impossible. <laughs> I mean, in your down. case, it actually is impossible. <laughs> it's okay, Narmer. Masika pats him. That's all right. We I can get, hop wait, on the dash. If we had no, him, I give, no. I give Masika, I give Masika a hero point for remembering <laughs> that that Narmer has mage hand. <laughs> Looking over the dice, Hollis, you can detect magic, although Citra, with your trap finding, you can actually, once you're within this reach, determine what this does. Okay. This is a curious thing. It's a trap, but not so much an in intentional trap. More that what this magical item does is trap-like by its varied construction. Any living creature that stands atop this dais will be turned to stone. Oh, dang. Oh. It can do so any number of times in a round, yet no more than once per creature standing on the surface. And a creature that moves onto the dais and then steps off of it before the end of its turn is not affected. Once you've stepped onto it, you basically have the remainder of your turn to do whatever you will, at which point you will turn to stone. Ah, cheetahs. They didn't even make those statues in there. They just tricked people onto this pedestal. Did, did you just call something that is magic workaround cheating? <laughs> it's cheating when you're killing people to do it. Blood magic. Uh, anyone that wishes to may make me a knowledge arcana. I will. Yeah. I roll a four for a 28. I rolled a 17 for a 29. And if that doesn't work, sugar can look. <laughs> so 28, 29. Anyone that wishes to may make me a knowledge history as well. Oh, that's something I have points in. I rolled a five for a 23. I rolled a 15 for a 23. Okay. I can roll one for sugar. Save a sugar. Of course, rolls hilariously a 13 for a 24. Oh, there you go. <laughs> She's just Slightly that bad. much smarter than us. Hollis, with your knowledge of Arcana, you can recognize that this room is a workshop intended sure. to construct the bodies for constructs like clay golems and the like. Mm -hmm. uh, that that would also include the Henshepsus, which are also made of clay. The sculpting dais both uh, Hollis and Sudi would be aware, as well as Sugar. Uh, this is an ancient magical item referred to as a sculpting dais that was commonly used by the Shori. Oh. In essence, it would allow them to choose a perfect specimen for an actual, like, sculpting project, at which point they could stand, or painting project, at which point they would stand on oh. that and have enough time to assume a pose before being turned to stone. And, and then they, they could unstone un them. Yeah, they and then they could unpetrify them afterwards once they had used the model to make perfect replicas. Interesting. Wow. Uh, also keep in mind that it does apply to any organic material, so they would commonly use that for things like making stone apples and all the rest of that, mm. like 
Here's yeah. a fruit display that so, uh, never goes bad. Any living creature, right? Yeah. Narmer, you want to grab those papers? Well, you also could sure. just grab them. I mean, I'd rather not accidentally touch it. Uh, the jar of ink is completely dried. The quill, the entirety of the quill basically disintegrates if someone so much as interacts with it. No. Uh, as far as the plumage, the actual quill part of the quill remains. Masika will detect magic on the papers when Narmer gets them to her. Uh, what do you get taking 10? 32. Narmer can easily retrieve these and, you know, do a little moonwalk on the platform just to show off. <laughs> <laughs> Does a big dramatic like catwalk, walks the length of it, poses one hand on or one flipper on hip. Nice. <laughs> Goodness. You're able to recognize these as two scrolls of animate object. <laughs> two scrolls of beast shape three. <laughs> and a single scroll of limited wish. Whoa! Whoa! I'm going to take one of those to put in my book. You might not want to scribe it, though, because... I already have it, so it's just uh, an extra limited wish. Dang, that's a good find. I don't know why I'd want animate object, but if nobody else wants that, I'll also take one of those. <laughs> Finally, somebody Done. with scrolls. I really appreciate this. Well, so much for art supplies. I don't think I can take an artifact with me. I don't know if I'm you not want sure to. you'd want to take this one. Well, it'd be fine if you could turn people back, which I guess we can. You might be able to. Well, okay, yeah. There's also about 300 pounds worth of clay in here. <laughs> you could take some clay if you want to make a little widget. I think I'm fine. Make yourself a little poppet. More of a painter than a sculptor anyway, mm -hmm. so it's fine. All right. Either way, Citra will move to the other door, check it for traps, <laughs> yeah, moving on. and then exit out into the hallway if it is not trapped. It is not trapped. Hollis picks up a fist size of clay just to squish between her fingers, like a. You would have uh, to wet it fidget. first. It's uh. Oh, sad. I was gonna say it's like it excruciatingly dry. dry. <laughs> I pour some water on it and then I grab it and run away. I just want to make myself a fidget. Stepping outside, you find yourself once again in a ten-foot-wide hallway precisely 10 feet high, the floor ever so slightly sloping down as it makes its way ahead. A short distance ahead, you can see that there is a set of stone double doors on your right-hand side. Oh. And the hallway seems to widen into two large alcoves off towards both the right and left, although the details of which you can't see from this far down the hall. Hmm. Citra will approach the double doors and rinse and repeat <laughs> her trappy yep, finding. Yep, will thing. take the other door, I guess. Looking these over, no, they appear to be clear. Again, you can see the two alcoves that lead out of this are basically the two open arches that lead out of this passage off towards the right and left up ahead. Beyond that, you can see that there's another set of stone double doors on the right-hand wall, and then a third set of stone double doors at the end of the hallway. Well, we shall start with these double doors. Well, they don't appear to be trapped. And Citrus shall open. We dramatically open, open says them. me. Opening the door. The chamber beyond is large and spacious. It starts at only 10 feet wide at this end, although the walls off towards your right and left split off at angles, so that about midway down the length of this chamber, it's 30 feet wide. It then goes forward for a short distance, maybe a distance of some 20, 25 feet, before they taper in again at the far side of the chamber, and then in in a wall on the opposite side of the chamber that appears to be 10 feet wide, making this once again a very oddly shaped octagonal chamber. The ceilings in this chamber also match the curvature of the wall, giving this an odd impression of almost being inside of a gemstone as the walls curve up at odd angles before reaching in the ceiling above. 
strangely, a single stone shelf at a height of three and a half feet runs the full length of the chamber off towards your left and right. Every eight inches along the length of this is what appears to be a sealed ceramic jar. Huh. Not a canoptic jar, as there's no actual animal head. Just a sealed ceramic jar. This doesn't appear to be the case on the far side of the room, which seems to be the only wall that's left unadorned, as far as a shelf is concerned. Well, this is different. Yeah, it's weird. Are the jars labeled at all? We'd have to probably get closer. You make your way into the room? Let's all go look at the jars. All right, what do all of you wish to do? I want to look at jars. So Hall's looking at jars, Masika's looking at jars, Sudi and Citra. Uh, I'm going to look at the walls and see if there's any like writing or, I don't know, prayers, anything like that on here. Okay. Citra's going to stay by the doors and just keep a lookout. Okay. So Hollis, Masika, you branch off left and right to begin looking over these jars. Citra, you stand by the doorway, keeping an eye out in the passage beyond. I believe you still have your uh, wayfinder turned on. Indeed, I do. Sudi makes his way forward. Hollis, Masika, both of you can tell that none of these jars are labeled. In fact, they're just relatively unadorned. I don't know if you choose to pick them up or not. I detect magic on them before I pick them up. Masika? Yeah, Masika's not touching anything in here. <laughs> Hands in pockets. Norma looks at midway through, like, getting ready to pick up a jar. Masika would have smacked his fin. Hollis, every single one of these jars are magical. All right, jars are magical, y'all. Sudi, you make your way almost into the center of this room. There's a coldness in here. Not this being underground coldness. There's just a faint pervasive chill in this chamber that makes every hair on your body stand slightly on end as you make uh -oh, your way forward. Uh-oh, Sudi's getting poofy. I don't see anything invisible. The far end of the room, the wall opposite of the door that you came in, the 10-foot wall on the far end of the chamber, does not have a shelf, but it is not unadorned. It seems to have a large bas relief. Do you wish to make your way over? Uh, no, Sudi will stop upon feeling the unusual chill. There's an unusual chill in this room. Oh. Like, chiller than the hallway outside. Well, Masika is going to go look at the relief. I'm just going to continue concentrating on these jars to see if I can get anything else out of them. So, so do you wish gonna to do stop and wait for the magic people to come clear the room. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to wait until we finish examining everything. Can okay. I just point out something that is bothering me about this room, though, that has nothing to do with the game? It's not symmetrical? Mm. That it is not freaking symmetrical. It's really annoying. Like, it is, yep. it is not drawn perfectly. And I'm like, it has been said time and time again that Chisisek was, like, OCD about this, and it bothers me it that it is not too. perfectly drawn. Yep. Paizo, I'm looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> needed perfect symmetry. It did. All you needed was a dang ruler. <laughs> Very well. The poor so cartographer Masika, that did this is going is going to be messaging us later. So Masika makes her way across the room. Yeah. Sudi wishes to accompany her. Um yeah, she shouldn't go alone. Sudi's going to accompany her. Here, take this, a Sudi. Uh Hollis, go ahead and uh, as Masika begins crossing the room, go ahead and make me a knowledge arcana. Uh Hollis rolls a 16 for a 40. Okay. Don't know if it changes any of your choices, but you can determine that every single one of these canoptic, well, every single one of these ceramic jars is radiating moderate necromancy. Uh-oh. I'm going to continue. Well, I'll be like, hey, these are necromancy jars, and I'm going to continue focusing for my third round. Well, at least this one is. I pointed at the one I've been staring at. Necromancy? May not be necessarily bad. Uh, focusing on it, you can determine that you are 
Incorrect. It's bad? The jars are not magical. Oh. There is, however, something suspended in every one of these jars that radiates moderate necromancy. Yep. Oh. That's what Although I was without of. opening the jar, you could not determine what it is. I don't think we should open the jar, but all right, y'all, there's bad, the weird stuff in here. I'm going to pick up a jar, but not open it yet. Masika. Um, mm-hmm. And actually, go ahead and have Phyllis make me a perception roll. Oh, no. You pick up that Why jar and all the it? jars rattle off. It's magic. I've got to look at it. Uh, I roll a 17 for once uh, on a decent roll. I get a 31. A 31 perception for Hollis. You notice two things. I probably didn't want to notice it. First, as you pick up the jar, there's a, a faint vibration. Uh-oh, oh. I don't like that. As if something, the only term you can think to use is wiggles inside of this jar. The second thing that you note is as you kind of glance back in the direction of Masika and Sudi, your spell's still in effect. There's one pinpoint of brighter magic from one of the jars about halfway down the left side. Oh. Mechanically speaking, it appears to have a strong aura, not the moderate aura that you've seen from all the rest. Huh. Oh, no. I'll make my way over toward that one. Masika, Sudi. You still carrying the jar? Yep. <laughs> towards this bas relief. The wall here is decorated with a depiction of several ancient Osirian scholars enjoying a mill. As you approach closer, however, you notice an increasing number of disturbing qualities in the carving. First, the tables that the scholars are using for their feast are stacked not with food, but with canoptic jars. Jars similar to those on the surrounding walls. Oh boy. Further examination reveals that the contents of those jars that they've opened are not organs or entrails, but writhing coils of what look like centipedes or worms that the scholars are either tilting their head backs to swallow whole or allowing to crawl into their open mouths. Gross. Okay, then. That's what you say. Hollis, put the jar back and let's let's get out of this room. <laughs> I think no, we I know, know what's what in does. the jars. No, no, don't open them. There's creepy insect things that are going to try to crawl down your mouth. Let's oh, go. Sure. What kind of insect thing? The bad a, kind. A centipede. You know? Who? Because oh, it's on this relief. Put that down. Why would it be? It doesn't necessarily have to be bad. It might be something that makes you super powerful. I'm leaving. Masika makes her way towards the door. I mean, all right. I walk over to the moderate jar and I pick that jar up. Are the strong jars? Are the strong jar? Please don't open them. I just want to know what's inside of one of them. No, No. just don't open it. What if it's awesome? It's not worth it. I think it's going to be awesome. Sudi will will come over to to Hollis here now. What are you like? You got a jar in each hand here? I stuck the other one like under my uh, arm so that I could more easily grab the, the... Strong aura one. Sudi will just come take that jar from underneath you. We're not going to open these. They look very dangerous. I'm going to walk over and look at the relief. I don't think even sugar would want to eat these bugs. I don't think I'd put anything past sugar. Can I (laughs) identify what those bugs are in the relief? I go put the jar back. You may may make a knowledge nature. Not a great one for me. I roll badly. I'm going to have sugar also make a check. Sugar, what what are these? I roll a nat one for a 17. Sugar, however, rolls a 17 for a 42. Hmm. I mean, it vaguely resembles a silverfish. Oh. But a really big one. Should maybe put a warning on this episode because I know a lot of people hate silverfishes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're real creepy. They like to hide inside books. 
Gross. Why would they be eating big silverfish? These all look like smart folks. Are there magical silverfish that grant powers? I doubt it. It's necromancy and it's Chisisek and Hakatep. Put that back and let's go. Hollis is like, you just told me why I should know what this is, not why I shouldn't. Why would they keep it here? <laughs> That's just a silly thing to keep. It might have been part of some sort of ritual. I mean, if Hakatep's eating silverfish, then, I mean, it's probably not going to kill you. Unless that's what killed they, him. Well, the problem I, with your assumption is that's not Hakatep they're eating it. It looks like some other people. It's very weird. Ah, I shoved the jar in my bag. I think it's a mystery oh. for another day. Ah, it's sealed. It's in a jar. It doesn't matter. We don't know what this is. It could be very dangerous. We don't need to take it. Put it back. Okay, well, everybody leave the room, and I'll just throw the jar, and it'll break, and we can see what it is. It seems like an unnecessary... I want to know what's in this jar. What if it's amazing? Bugs are not typically amazing, just... Bugs can be amazing. I, judging by the picture on the wall, it does not really look amazing. Not in my experience. There's a reason why we live in the desert. Very few bugs. We could always come back and check this out another time. But we won't. I feel won't. like this is we a won't. mystery for no, another day. That's what happened last time, and I didn't get to find out what was behind that tile puzzle. Please put it back. Hollis opens the jar. No! <laughs> Just yes. Jess! Hollis cracks the jar open a little bit. That doesn't matter. Whatever's in it's going to come eat you now, oh, and boy. I'm not saving your butt. Well, I have a limited <laughs> wish on me, so I think I'll be okay. Oh, my God. Let's burn a limited wish for this. It's your decision. I mean, three-fourths of the party are saying no. That's, you know, it is what it is. I open the jar, and I look inside. Oh, God. And there's a lot of jars, and I want to know what's in this jar real bad. You know when you can ask Rick the after party after we're done with this? Yeah, but then we will have already missed our chance to have it if it was something cool. Or you're dead. Well, you know. Is it the strong? It's the strong one. Yeah, it's the strong jar, because Sudi took my medium jar. I'm gonna there be are literally the 100 of them in here if you wanted to grab another one. No, I'll do this one. I already have it. What if it's really cool? Oh, it's God. not going to be cool. Opening the jar. Inside is a curious silver white substance. Gross. It appears to be approximately the consistency and somewhat the color of mercury. Hmm. For a moment, there's an eddy in the surface. I hold it away from my face. No, that's it. I continue, I detect magic some more into the jar now that it's open. Well, There's a magical thing in here that swims. Here's your 90s reference. It's a yerk. <laughs> Does that mean we're in Animorphs? You're going to be on the bad side of Animorphs. Just saying. It hasn't this has got all the setup. Crazy. This is this is See, the egg I, sack opening up in aliens right now. You want another? You want another '90s reference? This is freaking <laughs> Stargate right now with the creepy little parasite that latches onto your freaking nervous system and takes you over. That's oh, what gold. Yes, it's a gold. Yes, I mean, thank you. I did not know the name off the top of my head. I love that. Stargate. It's not, not very vicious. Watch. It's not doing anything yet. Hmm. That's just what the um, what was his name? John Hurt. Yeah. It's just what the yeah. face hugger Thought wants right you before to the think. face hugger jumped out <laughs> exactly. on his face. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I'll stick my face down near this. <laughs> Hollis like shakes the jar out far away from her, like as far from her as she can on the ground. The substance spills and splatters to the floor, along with what appears to be a silverfish-like creature. Hmm. Numerous legs along the length of its body shiver, and two long antennae 
almost furry, like those of a moth, seem to fill around the air around Masika it. Masika shuts the door. I'm not kidding. Masika is in the hallway and shuts the door. Sidra's still in here. <laughs> the Citra, creature. I'm just going to say Citra has drawn her kukri. Okay. The creature shivers and slowly begins turning in place. Turning in place. How weird. It's trying to find his brethren in the jars. Make <laughs> a swarm to infest us all. Alice, why did you dump it out? Can I squish it yet? Well, no, if you all move over here, I have a fireball. We can always fireball this whole place if we want to. Citra stayed by the door. She well, had moved. <laughs> but, CV, you want to move by the door? Sudi moves by the door. A ra- like, gives this thing a wide berth, too. You're not positive what sort of magic is contained here. Whatever this thing is, you think the thing itself is somehow magical. The aura, the effect on it seems to have been something akin to a gentle repose. Oh, that's A cool. form of preservation magic. Huh, okay. The repugnant creature twitches, finishes turning in place until it's facing in Hulse's direction, and then slowly slithers its way across the floor towards you. It crawls up onto your boot if you don't Ooh. stop it. I definitely do not let it crawl onto my boot. Very well. You remember how Chisisek warned us that this place was nothing but traps? Hollis, put it back in the jar. The creature slowly begins to smoke. It's smoking. Why is it smoking? I don't know. That's not natural. I guess we should just squish it then. Kind of sad. It continues to crawl for you, forward towards you. Why does it want with me? It's weird. It wants to take you over. It's a little parasite. Is there any other things I can do to know anything about this thing? Uh, I mean, I'll give it to you. Uh, you can make an intelligence roll. It would be a bad idea to interact with this. I rolled a 10 for a 17. Uh. I mean, all you know from the depictions on the wall is that the the scholars, the architects, were eating them whole. But why? Can I, I squish it I do not think we should experiment with yeah, swallowing let's, it. Let's just squish it. Much like the depictions on the wall, it seems like it's attempting to crawl up you. And judging by the depictions on the wall, some of the scholars were just leaving their mouths open to allow the creatures to crawl into their mouths. I don't want to do that. So maybe, yeah, I mean, we can just squish it. I'm going to try to squish it with my boot. Yeah. Within one minute, even after you've stomped on it, it can finish its smoking and is completely dissolved into nothing. See, they didn't do nothing. They were just food or something. That was pretty reckless, though. It could have been something really bad. I mean, it could have been, but that picture over there, while creepy, isn't like, it's not like they're screaming in pain or anything. Maybe this is where he got his taste of snacks. Maybe these were energy bugs, so he could work on that. There's still 100 of them left if you want to try another jar. Nah, I'm good. We we go and we push open the door. I'm sure Masika's like pushing up against it, trying to stop us from coming no, out. No, she's just standing <laughs> out there in the dark because she has dark vision. Yep. That was weird. It just kind of melted. What if we found a really tiny one and fed it to Stinger? No. I mean, we can come back in here and mess with them. I think they're just some sort of magic food. I that doubt it very seriously because they're giving off necromancy. No, the necromancy was actually some sort of gentle repose to keep them from rotten. They seem to start smoking like as soon as they hit the air. Yeah, because they, I, I think they're perishable. I don't know. Mm. They're weird, but you know, whatever. That's fine. I mean, it, again, it didn't just die. It literally dissolved. It dissolved. Into it was dust weird. and well, actually not even dust. It just dissolved into smoke. Either don't way, I think this was not wise. Just going to put that out there. I agree. Hollis shrugs. Nothing bad happened. This, this time, time. I am the one who has to save you every time you do something like this. Wasting resources. 
when we're fighting all this other stuff when we could have just left that alone? I feel bad, but nothing bad happened. Let's move on then. Citra will head toward the alcoves. Very well. You leave the uh, the chamber behind. We close the door behind us too. Oh my gosh. Creepy silverfish everywhere. The walls shake, all the jars shatter, they form into a swarm. See, I'm telling you. <laughs> That's what I expected to happen. So many fun things that could have happened though. They probably have different types of fun. effects if you eat them. It, pro- it probably has a roll on the chart and one of them is you, you know, die. Yeah, kind of it's probably kind of like drinking the weird stuff up in Numeria. Yep. Who knows? Only me. But Hollis doesn't want to eat bugs, so uh, that's the line. Could have fed one to sugar. And killed your chicken for in the name of magic science? You make your way forward. Ahead, the passage widens off towards your right and left, where you can see two rooms that flank the central hall here. Each room has a stone shelf running along the walls, on which are numerous open clay jars. Are they also magical? Looking about. Uh, who's searching what sides? There are a few magical auras scattered about. I'll search the south section, I guess. I'll go north. I'm going to go forward and see if my uh, tremor sense picks up anything on the other side of these double doors. Mm-hmm. I can be scouting now. Cool. Masika? I'll go with Citra. Glancing back over your shoulder, making sure Hollis isn't drinking anything. It's her own problem if she <laughs> does. Uh, go ahead and give me a perception roll from both, uh, I guess, Citra, Hollis, and Masika. Sudi, you do not sense anything within 30 feet on the other side of either of these doors. Am I adding any cool. trappiness to this? Uh, no. Hollis rolls a 16 for a 30 perception. Citra rolled an 18 for a 30. Okay. Uh, so first things first. All of the jars here are identical to the jars in the previous rooms. Oh. There are additional lids here, although it looks like the lids here have never been sealed. Oh, these must be extra jars. Uh, in addition to that, you can find various small crates as well as jars that you think may have been once filled with a variety of reagents. Whatever oh. these are have aged the 6,000 years in the interim and for the most part are no longer viable. Huh. You actually can't even tell what plants these used to be. Cool. You do find in the northern alcove, the one that Citra is searching through, Citra and Masika, the two of you do locate a single jar that is still closed. It detects as magic. It detects as transmutation magic. If it's like the jars in the previous room, Masika's leaving it alone. Can we feel anything moving in it? <laughs> There's nothing. No movement. Anything that you feel. This one doesn't seem to have a creepy fish in it. Hmm. I'm not I... opening it. Fair enough. Uh, Hollis, you also find a jar containing something that has a faint aura of transmutation. Oh, okay. I'll open the jar. We will. You may make a spellcraft if you so wish. All right. I rolled a five for a 29. Uh, you can tell that this is a jar full of universal solvent. Oh, universal There's, uh, solvent. There's 10 applications. Cool. Wow. That's going to be handy, maybe. Uh, Citra, you also note that there appears to be uh, in the back portion of the, the basically the northwesternmost corner of the room, a small panel that actually has a seam on the wall. Hmm. Everything else has been sealed so tight that there are no seams. You think it might Ooh. be a secret panel. I think I may have found the secret panel. Hmm. I shall check it for traps. And if it is not trapped, I shall push it. <laughs> or pull, as required. Or push, depending on what it needs. It does not appear to be trapped. Uh, hooking your fingers on there, you can pull it open. I shall. Inside, you find a dozen feathers tied together by a reed cord. Hmm. A single stick of fine quality uh, that has been shaved into the shape vaguely resembling a wand. Uh, although it does still appear to be almost unfinished or unpolished. 
and what appears to be a sap. The sap also appears to be covered with small hieroglyphs. What do they say? The beatings will continue until morale improves. Oh, it's that kind of sap. I thought it was like tree sap. Nope. Uh, it states Kakoju, which roughly translates from ancient Osiriani to modern Osiriani as head knocker. <laughs> I'm telling you, the beatings will continue until morale improves. Nice. Uh, Masika, what do you get taking 10 on a spellcraft? Uh, 32 to identify items. Okay. Uh, each of the feather tokens are bird feather tokens. Oh, cute. There are 12 in total. Wow. And the wand appears to be a wand of monster summoning six. <laughs> there are 11 charges remaining. Gosh. Wow. Lastly. Oh, maybe they were summoning those things to put in the jars. The sap is a plus one merciful sap. Oh. Wait, why does it need to be merciful if it's a sap? Isn't a sap non-lethal to begin with? Merciful also adds an automatic 1d6 points of non-lethal damage. Ah, there it is. So if you needed something that does 1d4 plus 1d6 points of non-lethal damage as you beat people (laughs) over the head with it. Head knocker, that's funny. You have head knocker. I was going to say, has Sudi given up his whole, uh, I'm going to remain non-violent? Well, not non-violent, what was your... I'm not going to kill I'm people. not going to kill sentient creatures, yeah. Mm-hmm. Unless you have to. Unless they're undead, I mean, or outsiders or whatever. Or they explode when you hit them. Well, the, okay. That's those, them, though. That was them. That was not Sudi doing that. Mm-hmm. I can't help it if they choose to explode whenever I knock them out. <laughs> Fair. Is that other jar also universal solvent? It is not. The other jar is uh, Ungen of Timelessness with 10 doses. Oh, cool. nifty. Oh. Yeah, they must have had some sort of alchemist working here. This is all alchemical stuff. Was, was, was yeah. there just those two um, transmutation? or what? I thought there were two on the north side. No, there's one on each side. Okay, cool. And then there's a bunch of, like, rotten stuff. Well, not even rotten. Beyond yeah, rotten. Yeah, that wand, that wand of summoning is intense. Yeah, it's really crazy. I'm a little concerned about how nice the stuff is we're finding. Right? Well, I suppose after we've finished searching, Citra will lead the way to the next set of double doors. Uh, probably go to the ones on the south side that Sudi's standing in front of first. All right. Cool. The ones that were originally on our right as we were approaching them. Did you feel anything? Any wiggles? No. In the floor? So if we assume that I can feel things out to about 30 feet, then there's nothing there. Nothing moving. Okay. At least. Fair enough. Because Tremor Sense doesn't work if the thing is perfectly still like a statue. Hmm. Or off the ground. I suppose you make your way forward. Approach the door. Mm-hmm. Yeah, looks clear. I shall open the double doors. Opening the doors. The doors open into a chamber somewhat different than the previous one. A 15-foot wide stairway descends about 10 feet down into this chamber. The walls widen in steps, starting at 15 feet wide on the stairs, and then widening to 25 feet wide, and then widening to 35 feet wide before tapering off again at the far side of the room into another 15-foot-wide door on the opposite end of the chamber, giving this a chamber an odd shape, somewhat akin to a gourd, if you're coming in from the the top of it. Hmm. Weird. A single shelf runs the length of the walls on both the left and right-hand side, circling the entirety of this room. Along those, spaced every eight inches, are sealed ceramic jars. There's only a single difference are from the previous chamber to this one. And it's that the far wall does not contain a shelf, much as the previous chamber did not, but instead contains iron chains and manticles, which dangle from bolts in the far wall. Okay. Oh, so they could chain people up and force feed them those creepy things. Do you wish to explore the room? Oh, gosh. 
I now have a working theory for what this, uh, this these all are. Feel free to share with the class. All right, here's my run. Here's my running theory. The silverfish, when taken when taken in, will cause them to become compliant, so they can become a willing subject to be turned oh. into the Hepshepsu. Oh. They chain them because it takes time to activate. Like it's like a poison effect or something. Hmm. Interesting. This is my running theory. Okay. I guess we'll go look around in here and see what's up with those chains and whatnot. Uh, sure. You step forward, entering the room. What would each of you like to do? Masika's staying by the door. I'm going to detect <laughs> magic on the That's, jars. I'm going to follow Hollis first, around right? to make sure she doesn't drink anything. <laughs> Citra? Um, I actually want to take a look at the manacles across the room. You should detect magic on them first, because what if they come alive and grab you? Yeah, I'll, I'll do that. Oh, that'd be something. Yeah, I was I'll keep work my, my distance around. from them, but I kind of want to like examine the scene to see if I can maybe piece something together. Yeah, Very I just well. want to see if these have the same aura as the jars in the other room. Detecting magic, there appears to be some sort of moderate aura coming from these. It'll require another round for you to determine what they are. All right. Since you're detecting magic, you can also see numerous magical auras scattered about this room. At the far side of the room, you can't tell if there's any magic coming off of the manacles. That would require another round. So do you stand guard? In the center between Hollis and Citra, Masika, you stand by the door. All of you notice your light source is dim. Don't like that. Oh, crud. As if the darkness someone encroaches in. If Sudi says, oh, crud. Well, no, probably probably it would have some, like, Osirian equivalent. Oh, Cyrus. You say, as a puff of white comes out from your mouth, as the temperature in here drops. All right, I don't love this. This is bad. Oh, Cyrus. Maybe we leave. What would you like to do on the second round? Oh, would you like to continue your detect magic? I'm going to. Yep. Until uh, I'm going to maintain that and walk backward up these steps until, you know, I have to stop. Sudi. Sudi's going to, I guess, equivalent equivalent of delay and let Citra back out first. Do I see anything invisible? There's nothing invisible. Oh, I'm concentrating. Never mind. Oh, no. It's probably just haunted from all those people that were force fed those horrible things, whatever they are. Oh, do you think my theory was right? Could be. Yeah, it's feeling that way. Oh, I nailed it. I never get to nail it. <laughs> what would you like to do, Citra? Citra would like to move toward the door. Citra, you fall back. Sudi, fist raised, slowly backing up. His tremor sense letting him know exactly where the stairs are behind him as he kind of starts stepping back up, watching the surrounding walls. The temperature continues to sink, and the illumination in this room dims even further. Uh, Masika, would you like to leave the room? Yes, I would. Okay, so Masika steps out of the room entirely. Round three, what would all of you like to do? Uh, can I get the next step of stuff from my detect? Uh, you may make an Alter Con if you so wish. I roll a 13 for a 37. Uh, each of the jars in this room contains a moderate aura of necromancy. They very well could be the same type of jars, y'all. I guess I take a uh, five-foot step toward the door. Yeah, or you can move out into the hallway if you so wish. Well, I don't want to leave. Well, if we're all leaving... Yeah, we're all leaving. I will. I guess I'll go in the hallway, but I want to be able to still okay. see in the room. Sudi? Sudi's not leaving until Citra's leaving. Citra has something to defend against a haunt. Get out. Oh, that's well, right. You do I forgot you. I forgot you had a, a thing. So Sudi leaves. Yeah. I forgot that you had that thing where you can attack haunts. We don't know if it's a haunt, but if it's something, whatever, I'm like, I have more stuff to handle it than Sudi does. I shall follow after if nothing stops me. Well. Nothing seems to stop you as you step out into the hallway. Masika shuts the door. What? All right, moving on. A slim rhyme of ice 
begins to form from the base and top of the door. After a few more seconds pass, maybe about 30 seconds of all of you kind of stepping back, looking back and forth between one another, you hear a sound kind of like, no, exactly like a clay urn being dropped off of a three and a half foot high shelf to shatter on the floor. Oh no. This is then followed by a sound which you can only consider to be a cacophony of shattering urns. After a few seconds of silence, you begin to hear the clicking sound of thousands of spiny legs on stone. Oh no. And as you step back, you see the first of these legs beginning to fish under the edge of the door. I'll pick it up here next time. I think it's on a timer. <laughs> I have a feeling whoever wrote this knew that you would piece out of that room as soon as it started darkening. <laughs> it's going to be a silverfish swarm, y'all. Or a creature's in there and knocked all those things down. You open the door and there's one 12-foot-tall house cat just knocking things <laughs> Find the Path Ventures is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Mummy's Mask is copyright 2014. Mummy's Mask and the Pathfinder Adventure Paths are trademarks of Paizo. All Pathfinder images are property of Paizo and are used with permission.